but every single scene has 90 seconds of establishing shots of like jumping in the water and the wide and the flying and the wow <laughs> for 90 seconds and then we can get to do a scene and then we end the scene with another 90 seconds of flying, <laughs> soaring, and then once you're 50 minutes in, you're like, are we going to do this for every scene? And the answer is yes. No way. So it's just like, you just, you want to actually get to what's happening in the plot, which I don't even care about anyway coming into Avatar yeah. 2, but you've just given me B-roll, 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 B-roll. Yeah. You appreciate the fact that I'm wearing a slightly seasonal jumper and yeah. not just a seasonal green roll neck, but a seasonal green roll neck jumper, very reminiscent of Love Actually. I think from the guy, the Walking Dead guy. Oh, I mean, there's loads of roll necks in that film. Oh, I which was one are you Colin Firth, really? Actually. Oh, okay, yeah. But definitely Andrew Lincoln. You're talking about. Yes, yeah. I yeah. think I think that's up in that category. That's why this has like double Christmassy vibes for me. Not only is it warm, not only is it green, it's also. Love actually. I love There's dissections things, but... of Andrew Lincoln's story. Or to be honest, any of the stories in Love Actually mm. and how flawed they are. Deeply. And I think I think every year Richard Curtis does some sort of interview where he has to apologize for some of the writing in Love yeah. Actually. Like as the years go by, mm. we look back at some of it and go, ooh, that's a little bit mm. that's strange Off. behavior. Yes. I and mean, mm. where, I, mean I, don't, I mean we're not gonna do a dissection, but like well, Andrew no, but Lincoln like, specifically yeah. Like <laughs> the cards, the, the cards. cards what the if what if his friend answers the, the husband door. answers the door? Yeah, like yeah. Shua Talentu for who yeah, now he, is a much bigger actor than yeah. at the time, and Andrew Lincoln as well. To be fair, yes, like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know, but like, oh hi mate. I mean, there's a sketch going around on TikTok where people have done that, where they've recreated yeah. this sort of oh shit, what's the cards for? Uh, is your wife not in? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and she just sort of stands there and like takes it all in, like oh isn't it sweet? Instead of it being like. This is really creepy. This man has turned uh, up. A yeah. guy who I work with quite a lot who actually listens to the show. I wonder if he'll comment. But uh, he often will uh, hire me to take pictures of shoots that he does. <laughs> and I'll show him the pictures. A lot of them are of him. And he'll go, they're all of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't talk to me. Yeah. Also, that is, that's creepy. Andrew Lincoln making a, a, so, a video and he edited cut. it. Yes, he edited with, it together. Yes, with it's old not a school, tape. old school film. He would have yes. st stitched that. And together. It's not like he played the tape and all the clips were like naturally in that way. He edited it together and then made it in, and then got it processed into a VHS. Yes, and labeled it and was careless enough to leave it leave out. Leave it out where he probably watches it late at night. Oh God! Gosh, I just want something of me in a dress, is it all blue and wiggly? <laughs> you get awful close, aren't you? And then when she realizes, she's like, <laughs> "Yeah, there's uh, there's lots of things. What are you gonna do? Turn in a box or something? What, is he, what does Alan Rickman say to uh, Roman? <laughs> can, can we be quite quick? Yeah. Oh no. What else are you gonna do? Dip it in yogurt? <laughs> I'd be prodigious <laughs> with the slightest of touches. Yeah. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson is so Lavender, good at that. Yeah. He's so fantastic. Yeah, it's terrific. Rowan Atkinson always really delivers. If you think about it. Do you, you see Man vs. B? Well, when I found out it was a series, no. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was that's, like, that, that's a 90-minute film. And they were like, no, it's a six-episode series. That's a very short concept, which yes. you've got. <laughs> well, we've got <laughs> Summed up in the title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that B got paid a lot of money. It's a that real could diva. have been a five-minute sketch at yeah. most. At most. Did you hear people talk about Man vs. B? Nope. Uh, the week it came out on Impress for that. Yeah, then, and, then, and then on. What would you have Rowan Atkinson do? You're now in charge of Rowan Atkinson's career. He's chained to a radiator and you come in. You go, listen, Rowan, 
<laughs> Kick the water can out the way. Yeah. Now on, get the flashlight in his I'll eyes. Sign you up for some. Like, what would you want him to do? The Sketch. Thing is, it's hard because, like, the, the obvious gear change would be Rowan. We want you to be. In, we want you to do serious roles, right? Yes. But which I think he could definitely definitely do. do. But it's hard for an audience to adjust to seeing someone. As we have had a recent conversation about Lenny Henry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because when a when a very famously comic actor tries to do something very serious, it, and in fantasy it where it feels a little bit over the top, well, yes, with the Lenny Henry thing, but it can, it can come across like a comic relief sketch. So um, I don't know. I think I think um, I don't know. Actually. I'd love him doing sketches, just never ending sketches. I feel like he's got so many different parts in his mm. repertoire. Like you could say, oh, do like another kind of series in the vein of Blackadder, but not quite. But I feel like that time's been and gone. Mm. But maybe if you're going to get Rowan Atkinson, one of the, who is an absolute, you know, one of the finest comic talents there mm-hmm. is, why would you not get him to do comic talent stuff? He's not yeah. like he's not like Jim Carrey, where he's kind of like matured out of that. Like Rowan Atkinson can still very plausibly do the rubber faced. I mean, Jim Carrey yeah. to an extent, but anyway, digression. I just wanted to say I have a Christmassy love actually jumper on, and uh, well, usually when you wear green, you go, oh, "I'm blending into the sofa." Well, it's actually a different green today thank you very much james like, yeah you're popping out of it I, it's, I would say this is slightly more emerald once again guys if you just listen mind. you are missing the visuals I mean, flick on the video yeah yeah and james is wearing a we're very we're, you're dressed like it's summer you idiot it's actually a wool it's actually a very warm short polo. sleeve polo it's that, barely a polo it that, would, that would really like, bother me because i'd be like my arms are cold but my body's hot no i'm actually really toasty I'm going to take it off. I'm just going to go white vest. <laughs> string vest. Yeah. Like it's the 50s, but gravy yeah. down it. Exactly. Anyway, I just thought I'd wear it because it's the season. Let's get on with the show. So George, last week, you and I went back and rewatched Avatar 09. And we did a full sort of refresh on that film. I've since now seen Avatar, The Way of Water. Right. Went to go see it with all the bells and whistles, which I'll get into. I'll get into it. Okay. But you know when you go to an IMAX screening? And they like to make a bit of uh, an occasion of it. Yes. And all the studios and all the people who have shot stuff on IMAX will sort of give you a preview mm. of what's to come. Yeah. And usually you get not just either a trailer, but you get like an IMAX presentation mm. trailer, right? So I had two. Okay. I had two this in my the screen. BFI IMAX. Is it the BFI Which, IMAX? If anyone, biggest screen I could find. Biggest screen in the UK. Which I'll get into for Avatar 2. But okay. for now, it was some trailers, some trailers. And now, a look at Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. Part one. With an American accent? I think so. It wasn't like, hello. It wasn't Mark Strong, like, hello. I'm just thinking, American accent's very sort of cool. It felt, felt like an American producer doing okay. a voiceover. So Dead Reckoning Part One, right? No, no, no drama. It was behind the scenes. Tom Cruise doing a stunt, which we've seen the in planes. the trailer. Uh, no, he's, uh, he's riding a bike off a ramp onto a cliff. Brilliant. God, he's just an exciting man. Yeah, <laughs> he just, yeah. I just feel like so it was, it was, they said it was the first day of shooting and it's Tom Cruise. Like, it's incredible. They built this ramp. No, no, listen to me. They built this ramp and it's like this scaffolding. Everything had to be shipped over by a helicopter and they built this ramp. And Tom Cruise is driving a motorcycle, which he drives off this ramp and then has a parachute on. So he has to push off the bicycle do a base jump with only about, like, I swear, he's not falling for long. And he throws this, this, parachute up and i swear to god like that parachute does not open very cleanly i'm looking at it and i'm like you know when it sort of ruffles yeah. before it like properly pops i'm like if that had been another four seconds longer he's gone 
My God. I'm looking at like the, the amount of space he's got. I'm just like, this man is crazy. And I don't think anyone can tell him no. Wow. The shot looks great. The shot looks fantastic. And he does a couple of like test runs to warm himself up. But he's telly, he just lives for yeah. it. And I just think he's chasing he's this like, what's the next extreme yeah. thing? Like he did the hanging on to the outside of the plane for, I want to say Mission Impossible 5. Yes. You know, Top Gun Maverick was its own thing. Yeah. It's kind of like every film has to have its stunt. That is what people pay for. It's the spectacle. It's, it's almost like it's high class jackass. Yeah, right? it really is. But I'm like, where does it go from here? We can't keep throwing this aging man. When he gets to 80, he'll be like, I'm going to be fired into the sun. And, <laughs> and whether or not I come back, who knows? And we'll but... all just be like, wow. Wow. See wow. That. And I saw that in IMAX. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really see the point where he hits. And you know, the director's there. Um, I can't remember who the director is who's directing it. But they've uh, got this. Ooh, I think it's Christopher McQuarrie still. That sounds right. about right. And they're watching. He's in like, you know, a little director's tent with some monitors watching Tom Cruise do this job. And he is shitting himself. He's literally watching it like with his head and yes. his face covered. And he's watching this canopy like <laughs> not quite open. And then it does. And then he's, you know, like you almost steer into the rock and Tom Cruise yeah. is like trying to compensate by coming back round. And Chris McQuarrie is shitting himself yeah. and he's like oh my god it's done it's fine okay great great round of applause and then Tom Cruise comes back out and he's like I think I can do it again uh, I think I need to because I didn't quite I could do it for longer I can hold it for longer it's like mm. okay um, so you've probably got a very very sweaty insurance man in the corner oh also Paramount Chris, on the phone well that's <laughs> the thing I was like Chris McQuarrie's probably shitting himself because he thinks he's going to be the one to call Paramount and go hey uh, president of Paramount how's it going all good here all good here. just 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 tiny hitch with the film. Um, Tom Cruise is now red paste on the bottom of this valley, uh, obliterated into bits. We don't have a star anymore. And you imagine when he's got the shot, he's like, have we got it? Okay, let's yeah, just yeah. all, let's do some dialogue. Yeah, let's, let's just, just calm down. Let's yeah. all calm down. And that was, that was the first wow. thing they shot. What else, that, what else did you see? Next us that ended. Right. And now they look at Oppenheimer. <laughs> and this was a trailer that I assume everyone else is going to see probably by now. But it was... Um, more of a teaser. Still very, we're in teaser territory. All I need for a Nolan film. And it's, I'm sold. I'm yeah. so sold. Um, you know, it's shots of Killian Murphy climbing this water tower mm. in Los Alamos. And they're placing what it would be, the bomb, like down into this thing. And they, 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 what was really good is they, there's a sense that they didn't know what would happen when they detonated this bomb, obviously. <laughs> but they're talking about this fact that there is a chance that this bomb could ignite the entire atmosphere of the planet on fire. And Matt Damon is like, what are the chances of that happening? It's like, it's low. It's close to zero. And Matt Damon's like, close to zero? What do you mean? Ignite the entire... And he says it a bit better than that. And then you cut to walking through with the press and everyone's like... Yeah. Oppenheimer. It's a lot of stuff you see with your bulbs. Yeah. And then it keeps being cut with what I think are very close up shots of the surface of the sun. Yes. Like that sort of hydrogen plasma. Yeah. Which we had the first spot. one, right? Because this David Strathairn is in it, isn't he? He needs yeah, a like, He's somewhere there. I realize that, don't you? And you just get the sense they're manhandling this. The bomb kind of looks like an old water mine. Yeah. You know, it's like, re like yeah. in Finding Nemo. And uh, they're sort of moving it around and no one knows what's going to happen. Then you've got Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. in court uh, in full IMAX, like just in yeah. the face on the screen with a beautiful, like, uh, old school haircut. Yeah. Just, just mentioning some things. And yeah, I mean, there's nothing really to say apart from it's nice to see yeah. an IMAX presentation. And when it's. Uh, when you get it and it, you hear the IMAX films yeah. go behind you, like, oh, this is good fun. And it's, it's being presented to me in celluloid, which is, which is nice. I love that because, you know, like I said, that's all I need to be sold for a Nolan film. But Great speaking cast. of 
Oppenheimer, which is coming out in July, and the film we always mention at the same time is, did you see the teaser for Barbie came out as well? I did. Brilliant. I so clever. Fantastic. Greta Gerwig's Barbie. If you haven't seen it, you should. You probably have done by now. It's doing the rounds. It is a shot-for-shot shot remake <laughs> of the opening sequence of 2001. Not maybe not the opening sequence, but, but the whole yeah. sequence with the apes. It's been re- a monolith with the, with the moon. Yeah, above it. it's all been done now. Instead of the apes, it's it's um, that, children with Barbie dolls. Girls only had dolls that yeah. were and babies. It's got the, got the thus spake Zarathustra yeah. on the background, and then obviously instead of the monolith, it's a giant Margot Robbie. It's just the wink. And they even do the, they throw the baby doll up, don't they? And it, and it matches the bone and it becomes, then it, as soon as it clicks into Barbie and it's like disco funk, yeah. And you get a brief shot of Ken, you get, you know. Um, yeah, Ken is sort of doing a thing. And I think it looks fantastic. I, I, but I think it was just a way of being like, yeah, I know you think this is like a very corporate sanitized toy film, yes, but actually no, it's, it's a very, like sin- it I'm Greta Gerwig, this film is better. I'm, 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 a a cinephile. I'm a cinephile, I know what I'm doing kind yes. of thing, yeah. So I was like, brilliant. What what weekend that's going to be? I wonder how uh, how odd it's going to be. The fact that it's done that whole 2001 sequence. I'm not expecting that to necessarily make it into the film, no. but I'm wondering how referential it will be, how odd, what kind of things it's going to play with. I think quite a lot. I mean, I don't think any of that sequence will be in the actual film because it's just like that's it's served its purpose now. But isn't it funny you can shoot something entirely like that? Oh yeah, just for the just marketing. just for the marketing, which I actually prefer. Don't show me the film. Yeah, no, I just, just give me a sense of what about. you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah give me a thing. Yeah. Um, Exciting to see what Exciting films are coming out. We'll be talking about 2023 films in, 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 in future episodes. Yeah, stay tuned. Um, what what, what be- day are people listening to this? Is it Christmas week? This is next Wednesday. So it's the 22nd. Well, first. Second. So this will be the last one before Christmas. Wait a minute. <clears throat> yeah, this is the one before Christmas. Yeah. This is next Wednesday. Yeah. This is next Wednesday. Uh, so yeah, uh, what an exciting... I have some news. Just quickly, we talk about some news that happened last week. Yeah, um uh, it turns out Henry Cavill is not going to be Superman after all. Yeah. We talked about this before. Henry Cavill famously kind of left The Witcher. He made a surprise reappearance as Superman in Black Adam because The Rock really pushed <coughs> for it. Really pushed for it. You know, DC has had this massive, in the context of things, right? DC has had a massive strategy change with all what it's going to do with all of its superhero properties. James at the helm. And it's got like 10 year project. That was why Batgirl got shelved very controversially. Yeah. And they're like, no, we're pushing ahead. Now they're making Black Adam and. Uh, Dwayne Johnson was like, I want Superman and I want Henry Cavill to be in the post-credit scene. And the guy was like, no, we actually have a different vision. We're going to go with Superman. He pushed for a push and went over the guy's head and managed to get Henry Cavill back in. Yeah. And then Henry Cavill was like, yeah, I'm back as Superman, left The Witcher, they had to recast that. Um, and two months later, maybe a month later, it's now, oh, yep. Released um, an Instagram story, basically. Just, I'm really sorry to, yeah. we've had conversations and I will not be returning yeah. as Superman. He said, no bad blood. He just said, it's just, you know, parting ways and yeah. they're going ahead without him, which is a couple of theories going round about it on there. You think it's because he's Bond? Well, I don't think. I think it's interesting. I think, I think it could be. I don't, uh, here's the thing. I think, there, first of all, there were rumors that Henry Cavill was not in a happy place when he was doing The Witcher, oh, really? right? There were lots of online-based rumors, not based on any facts, so pinch of salt, that he is a huge fan of the Andrzej Sapkowski books mm. and was very much, if you, if you know anything about Henry Cavill, he loved, he's a huge like Warhammer 30,000 yeah. nerd, built his own computers, like yeah. really into his stuff, played The Witcher games before the series, really knew his stuff, went in to, to work on the show, and I think he knows that the, the reaction to the, some of the, uh, places that show has gone in terms of the story has been mixed and he has sort of not actually loved the ways in which they mm. do it. There have been reports that the writers of The Witcher do not like The Witcher uh, actual source material. And Henry Cavill is apparently from, all, from industry insiders has had 
public arguments with or disagreements with the writers on the show on set and they've had to stop and rewrite certain scenes because Henry Cavill has been saying that he ref- he does not think that yeah. this character would do this, right? Mm-hmm. So there's been some friction. He had signed... How many has he done? Three seasons or two seasons? They've they've done two, but they've, they've filmed season three. So we've got season three still So he was signed up for three seasons, right? So he's completed his contract. And when it came to renewing it, he said, I'm not renewing, which is many ways is not quitting because you only signed up yeah, for three. Sure. But... You know, you are in the middle of your story. Yeah. It looks a lot like you've left the, left the show. So there's this whole idea that he wasn't happy with it. And if he's not going to, you know, he doesn't want to be part of something that's not true to what he thinks it's mm-hmm. gone. So he's just gone, peace, I'm out. At the same time, while he was filming Witcher Season 3, he was asked by DC to come and shoot a post-credit scene yeah. for Black Adam. He wasn't allowed to tell anyone why he had to go yeah, and film say. that. So he asked permission from the Witcher people to say, hey guys, I need to leave to go film a scene. I can't tell you what it is. Is it okay if I go do it? It's for a cameo. And they obviously could understand what it was for. But that Black mm. Panther scene happened. Then Black Adam. Sorry, Black. thank you. The Black Adam scene happened. Then he gets announced he's, he's coming back as Superman for a yeah. Man of Steel reboot. At which point we also hear he is quitting the Witcher. Yeah. Because, you, you know, big uh, time commitments can't do both yeah. at the same time. Now that you've heard that <laughs> he's no longer doing Superman, I just can't help but think that there's more to this. There are conversations which conversations which have happened since he agreed to do it between what DC wanted to do and I think what Henry Cavill wanted to do, which have meant that creatively they're not on the same mm. page. I think that probably it is to do with uh, scheduling. Mm. And there are lots of that. You know what the saddest thing about it? Sorry, I'm rambling. Is that it just means that you cannot, t- if you see a post credit scene, it just, does, especially from DC, it means so little now. Th- You've cheapened your, your promise of, oh, this person's in. I'm like, are they? Well, I, I, this is the thing. I think that what's sad is that so DC, DC have said, right, we're not doing Batgirl, we're, we're launching ahead with a new phase. And already there's just this messy detail, which is like, yeah. oh, he was back. But when that, that whole thing is now irrelevant. It's, it's, it's been retconned. It's just not. It makes you feel like these decisions are made very quickly without much thought. Yeah, yeah. we'll just do that in there. Let's like create buzz to help yeah. sell Black Adam But that's tickets. the thing. I think they, they didn't want to because the, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is just so big. He just, now he's yeah. gone. They're like, thanks, Dwayne, but we're going to do what we want now. Um, anyway, that was which, just... Uh, uh, go on. Oh, so would you like Henry Cavill as Bond? Is it boring to you? I think I like Henry Cavill. Uh, you know, in, in his, and I'd, I'd like to see him do more, have more fun. Like I know he's in like Nola Holmes. I would like him to have yeah. fun more. You know, I think him as Bond is just a bit. It's just a bit obvious, and like he's 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 already established. I want to see an actor really kind of grow into that. Um, you know, like Tom Holland in Spider Man. Yeah. You want to bring a slightly unknown actor who can really make it their own. I think we should have someone who's largely unknown in the way that Daniel Craig wasn't a big name in yeah. the face. He'd been in stuff. Yeah. But he wasn't. Chances are you hadn't heard of him until he was cast as Bond. Um, For most people. Most people. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, he had been in stuff like... Road He'd done Perdition. lots of like quite independent... TV. He'd done British TV and yeah. uh, Enduring Love, Road to Perdition, Layer Cake. When they announce it, I want to go, oh, who's that again? Oh, and I want to Google familiar, it. Yes, maybe, he looks yeah. familiar. That's what I want to do. Oh, that's I mean. the guy from... That. Yes, he did that. He was like a sporting actor in that BBC drama. Yes. I mean, that's what I kind of want to get from Jonathan my... Price. <laughs> <laughs> no one would predict that. No. Anyway, that was a little bit of uh, movie news. So as James mentioned, last week we did a massive deep dive into the first Avatar ahead of the release of Avatar 
The Way of Water, mm-hmm. which is now out and been released. Due to the tight schedule before Christmas and the three-hour, 15-minute runtime, it has not been possible for both of us to have seen it. James, you have seen it. You've yep. gone ahead and done it, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm glad, and I really want to hear your thoughts. Before I do, though, I wanted to say I noticed two things. On my way here, recording this morning, I was getting the tube, and I saw the poster. I stood in front of the big Avatar poster, mm-hmm. right? And first of all, it's like they've changed the font. It's no longer the papyrusy uh, logo okay. is. It's a, and, and, it's a variation and, on papyrus. Yeah, it's though. a different. It's a different. It, they kind of like made it bold. They've highlighted yes. it and clicked yeah. bold. Um, if anyone wants to, if, you must know the Saturday Night Live sketch with Ryan Gosling. Papyrus. Gray pays the graphic designer who's annoyed about the fact that he's papyrus in Avatar. <laughs> and it's and it did throw me when we rewatched Avatar and the papyrus. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 the papyrus subtitles. Offensive to the eye, yeah. but anyway, it's like using Comic Sans. Um, also, what I noticed about the the, the poster because I'm always interested about their, their intentions and how they're trying to reintroduce this brand back into people's minds. Yeah. Is that the poster is very, very clean. You know, normally with film posters, you get that very tiny writing at the bottom, which says like, directed by so-and-so. Yeah. So-and-so, a fo- you know, uh, so-and-so's Fox production. Yeah, yeah, Fox Searchlight production is coming out. None of that is on the poster. It's just Avatar, James The Way Cameron. of Water, release date, picture of Jake Not Su- a James Cameron thing? No. Nothing to James wow. Cameron, just picture of Jake Suley riding an Ikron. That's it. And I was like, interesting. It's very clean. Um, anyway, so the way of the... The way of water. Yeah. I'm always going to struggle with that title. It's fine. I've You've been you. to see it. Talk us I want to start, before I go into my thoughts on the film, I'm going to start with some very techie things. Okay. Because we actually had an email last week where someone wrote in and asked about mm. screenings, high frame rate, yes. and whether or not you should go and see it. Again, please check out the episode. I gave a little breakdown of what that means when you go see something in high frame rate. I was like, okay... I'm just going to go and see it in IMAX. I don't want any excuses. I want bells and whistles. I don't really want anyone to say, well, if you had seen it in this, yeah. you missed the pixels in the frame and the frames per second. I sort of was like, I didn't want to see it in 3D, but there was no option to not see it in IMAX, not in 3D. I was like, okay, it's going to be my last 3D hurrah. Unless this is doing something yeah. so amazing. <laughs> and like, you know, I was like, I'm just going to do it. This yeah. is the only film worth doing it in. So the film film starts, you get the put your 3D glasses on, and I realized that I was also watching it in high frame rate, which I looked at my ticket, had no reference for a high frame rate, but it was running at 48 frames per second. But while I thought as soon as it started, holy shit, this is immersive. Like I am, you know, we're high frame rate, it is techie, it is this, it is all of it. Avatar The Way of Water really annoyingly has has not cut the whole film in 48 frames. It is switching unforgivably, in my opinion, between 24 and 48 in scenes. So, for example, like, all the stuff, when they go under the water, and it's all colourful and amazing, we're in 48 frames. Kind of like how Nolan does exteriors in IMAX, but dialogue scenes not, which is for a reason, okay? This mid-scene, so you and I talking, wide is 48, and then we're talking in 48, and then it cuts back to 24, then into 48 in the middle of the scene. And, and I'm your like, brain knows. It's so noticeable, right? And I don't have a problem with it being in 48. I find it it's very smooth. And for Avatar, which is actually, la- well, it's all digital, it's not really giving away the, the live action, yeah. you know, magic behind the film. So I'm actually almost okay with the 48, but the switching was terrible. Oh my god! I can't, and, and the fact that it was mid-scene. Is this something else people have noticed online? As well? I don't know. I don't know if this is just me because I like work with frame rates for a living and maybe I'm just noticing it. But I was immediately like, oh, for fuck's sake. Well, I'm actually enjoying the high frame rate for what yeah. this is. It's, it's, it's the only film yeah. that it makes sense to do. And the fact that it's digital means that nothing's, I think, is being lost or yeah. you're not making me feel ill or yeah. weird because I'm in this world. The screen is as big as a three-story building. Like, go for it. And it, I just want to say that I did see it with all the bells and whistles. And as much as I'd like to say that 
last week I said, yeah, like give high frame rate a chance. Annoyingly, this is not oh, how I think it should be done. Do it all yeah. or don't do it. And that's just all I, all I want to say with it. Okay, I'm going to start with um, some good things about Avatar The Way of Water. As I just said, when this film started and I've seeing it in 7D at 8 million frames per second in the biggest screen I can, it is as good as James Cameron personally prying open my eyelids and just slapping me in the face 48 times a second with this film. And in the beginning, when I'm just starting, I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know what? Holy shit, this is very immersive. And I think, I'll get onto this comment later, I think James Cameron knows why people have come to see Avatar. It is not for the deepest writing. It is for some real spectacle, and we're going to show you loads of shots of all the Avatar things that we've come to enjoy. And it's and it's there. And in the first part of the film, I'm like, do you know what? This is really uh, big and huge, and it's beautiful. It's I don't want to say it's something I haven't seen before, because I have with Avatar. But, you know, there's moments where I'm looking at a close-up of uh, Jake Sully on Atiri's face, and I can see the marbling of someone's iris mm. in their eye, and I'm almost forgetting that this is not yeah. a real shot. It is purely digital, and the, the facial, uh, you know, capture, uh, motion capture technology is as good, if not better, than Avatar, which you and I said was one of the best things about that, is that that technology works. It's still fantastic. Um, that's, that's about... I think, I think there are some well-choreographed action scenes. In the third act, the film really needed some action and some oomph and some just a bit of grit and when it came in the third hour i was like thank god and i thought you know they know how to do it sweeping shots cool bow and arrow things i was like thank you for for putting that in and for it being actually quite well done i've I've criticized quite a lot of films recently Mm. for not having punches land and i'm thinking i'll give it i'll give that to avatar Uh, performances i think uh are really good stephen lang is really excellent in in this film yes but but because i i i didn't know the trailer so i'm not spoiling that's because i I didn't know and then i read read online when we were doing last week's episode that he's in it and i was like but you but you yeah yeah I'll get into it, and it's not a spoiler to say he's in it, because he is in the trailer for one of the films briefly. Um, yeah, he's really good in it. And, you know, they, they give him a lot more to do in this film. He's very sort of uh, compelling and charismatic, and there's, a, there's an attempt to give his character a bit more depth, but I don't think it really right. ultimately works. About, I started this film, it's, George, it's, it's, it's three hours and 15 minutes yeah. long. It is really, 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 really long. Yeah. And, you know, that sense of wonder and magic is there, especially in the beginning. But then I, get, I got to about 55 minutes in, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, this is really boring. Wow. After, like, I've seen what they're doing and the spectacle is there, after that amount of time, yeah. I need to care now. Yeah, you've had your opening act, you need your investment now. I need to care. And I checked my watch and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I have two hours and 25 minutes left of this film. And I'm so, so bored. And I think this is the problem. I think, as I said, James Cameron knows that spectacle Mm. and the sense of wonder and the white are why people are coming to see this film. But every single scene has 90 seconds of establishing shots of like jumping in the water and the wide and the flying and the wow (laughs) for 90 seconds. And then we can get to do a scene. And then we end the scene with another 90 seconds of... Flying, <laughs> soaring, and then once you're 50 minutes in, you're like, "Are we going to do this for every scene?" And the answer is yes. No way. So it's just like you just you want to actually get to what's happening in the plot, which I don't even care about anyway. Coming into Avatar yeah. two, but you've just given me B roll, B roll, B roll, B roll, B roll, yeah. 
and it's just the trees and the water and the stars. And look, like my hand lights up with the plankton in the sea. It's like every single scene yeah. is topped and tailed. With trailer shots. <laughs> with three minutes of those, it's exactly the shots you see in the trailer. Yeah. But it's like, you need one of those, yeah. maybe two. For it to establish your wide. Yeah. And if you're showing something really, like when films uh, show a really beautiful location, they'll do that. Yeah. They'll go, hey, we're shooting Casa Doom in Moria. I'm going to show you an amazing wide of the whole thing. Yeah. And it'll give you three shots. It doesn't do it for every scene. No. Because you just go tired of B roll. It's like, it's, it is like a slideshow screen. So I'm like, can we not yeah. get to the point? So I think James Cameron has gone, let's just give people what they want. But I, I fortunately, I think, even though the technology of this film is incredible, that has become the reason to see the film, mm. not the plot and the characters. And yeah. I feel like if your technology has become the most paramount thing, that what's dominating your film, I think you've unfortunately lost what's good about this film in the first place. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the plot because it is there. So the same amount of number of years have passed since... Avatar came out as is in the movie, right? right? So, so like, four, yeah, 13, 14 years. Uh, Jake Sully, as we remember from the end of Avatar 1, has uh, managed to perfectly uh, ditch his old human body and through the spirit of Awar and magic and connecting to nature is now per like permanently living in his Avatar body. Uh, he, is Ray he is the leader of the Omatikaya clan who are the forest clan that we were introduced to in Avatar. He has been able to raise a family with Natiri and, you know, they're teaching them how to fish and how to hunt all the ways of nature and being respectful of how you kill. And, um, you know, there's sort of different conflicts and all those different children want different things. Um, and everything is good and everything is perfect, apart from the fact that they look up into the sky one day and a new star appears in the sky. And that can only mean one thing. It is the return of the sky people. So as they decelerate into the atmosphere, their, their engines are creating this new light and the sky people have returned. This time they are industrializing new areas of Pandora. They've got all the tools, all the machines. And what is the biggest problem they face? This former uh, guerrilla marine, Jake Sully, is you know taking out their, their train lines. He is causing problems. He's trying to protect his people. But who is uh, waking up from a cryo chamber? It is an avatar of General Quaritch. 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 Uh, and he looks at a message, video, from uh, the Stephen Lang version of himself, saying, if you were reading this, it means that you were killed in combat. Luckily, I uploaded my consciousness into this so that you can continue the work that I had. So he is not General Quaritch. He is an avatar yeah. with Stephen Lang's consciousness right. in it, who is after one thing, and that is to catch Jake Sully and kill him. Right. Nice, very, very one-dimensional uh, motivation there, but carry on. Yeah, and uh, so what happens, Jake Sully realizes that he is the one that is drawing the, the sky people to the Omatakaya. So what must he do? He must take his family and they must leave the Omatakaya and go many kilometers away to this other clan of people. I can't remember. It's, it's a very complicated name. Sorry, I can't remember it. And these are seafaring people. Uh, Avatar, not Avatar, seafaring at Navi, who are similar but slightly different. They have slightly more greeny, turquoisey skin. They have adapted to swim. They have these sort of large forearms where they can really swim fast, and their tail is thick like a like a dorsal fin. So they can and they can hold their breath for minutes at a time. And there's a lot of conflict because they need to be introduced to that clan. They need to be accepted. The children are not quite. They look very different to them, so they're being bullied. There's a conflict between you know Jake Sully and the leader of the new uh, tribe's kids and how they need to be integrated and you know the the sky people come and there's there's problems and you know jake's always brought his own conflict to these other people and yeah it's 
in the exact same way that Avatar 1 did, it paints its emotions with a very broad brush. And I'm going to steal something that you said when we talked about Avatar, was that it gives you nothing to do as an audience mm. member. There is no uh, point where I'm going like, huh, what, what's going to happen here? Mm. And how? what about, oh, that choice. I don't know if I would have... Mm done that and I think at the start of every scene once I got through three minutes of b-roll yeah. as soon as the scene starts I can tell you that's how the scene's gonna end yeah. I'm like already yeah. steps ahead I feel like I'm Sherlock Holmes and I'm smarter than the people having the conversation right, yeah. I already know where you're going here yeah. at every single scene so I'm sort of starting a scene and I'm going yeah you're gonna have to do that yeah yeah and you're not gonna want to do that but that's what's complicated done. It ain't that complicated, James. As and, in James Cameron, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, fine for a half an hour TV show, sure. but for three hours and 15 minutes, I'm sorry. Mm. It is just so indulgent. And I just cannot believe how boring it is. Wow. There's just, there's just, you know, your, last night we went for dinner and your girlfriend asked me, should I, you know, she said, you know, I'd seen it yesterday. And she said, is it good? Should I go see it? She said, I remember actually quite enjoying going to see the yeah. first one with my mom. It was sort of an enjoyable experience. And I had to say no. Mm. I, cannot, I cannot reasonably tell someone to go and sit through this film when it is so boring. Mm. And just boring and long. Two, two big crimes there. Yeah. One, you can have a long film and it mustn't be boring. If you have a boring film, it mustn't be long. But if you're going to do both... Unforgivable. And after I finished it, I sent you a, a picture of yeah. my face yeah. when I'd come out. Because yeah. I've been... 8 million frames a second, yeah. IMAX. I've just been like drip-fed, yeah. boring blue into my eyes. And I've never felt so bored and overstimulated. It was like doing three and a half hours of TikTok, but I would rather have done TikTok. Of course. I literally, this is the face I made when the film ended. Credits, I like peeled the glasses off my face. I felt like I had come out of cryosleep. Wow. And I, and I was just like, oh my God, I can't. What was... So that's so last groggy. week when we read that headline from the Telegraph, where it was like being it was like three hours of being waterboarded with um, <laughs> turquoise is. cement. It's it kind is. of accurate. It is, and like yeah, I could tell you it is beautiful. And I looked at some of the shots and I went wow. But after an hour, God. you've not given me anything. That's and I just, really. Do you know what? I've you're eye rolling from the B roll and the. And just, by the way, it turns out the way of water is just holding your breath for a long time, which everyone <laughs> seems to manage to do really easily. And they're like, oh, they've been adapting. People for on Earth years. can do that with yeah. training. Kate Winslet apparently did seven hours and, and 15 seconds. Sorry, seven minutes and 15 seconds. Seven hours? <laughs> She's no longer with us. No, she apparently broke Tom Cruise's record on this film, which is very cool. Okay. Like, uh, look, I, um, it, we've been doing this a whole year and I've not seen you as frustrated, animatedly frustrated with something as this. You know, you've been down about films and you've been frustrated with this, but yeah. this seems, I can see, it's one thing it's to not like a film, but it's the, it's the secondary thing, which is an, it's, it's annoyed you because yeah. it is so long and so boring. Um, I, I think, I mean, I, I everything you say, I kind of feel like it doesn't surprise me. And I'm, no. I'm just sad, sad that it's there. It's wor It's like, it's a little bit worse than I imagined it was going to be. Do you think James Cameron forgot that A, less is more, um, always keep the people wanting more? Yeah. And um, I worry if it, it's like the Jurassic Park thing. Like, just because he was thinking so long about what he could do instead of, he, he should have actually thought about whether he should have done it. So he's probably been spending 13 years thinking, oh, and we can do this now with this technology. We can do this. And people are going to love it. We're going to give them this bumper hamper it probably needs give the people what they want. Don't always. I have do a that, feeling though. there is a phenomenon when someone gets. I think you could say this is true of rappers, of film directors, of lots of artists, where you have someone who has been very well established and who has been validated by extreme success yes. from a creative vision in the past that yeah. I don't think anyone is going to question what they do next, even. 
even though they probably should. Yeah. So I think someone has gone, well, he made the highest grossing film of all time and he has some sort of unspoken two way of to... Two of the highest grossing films. Two, sorry, big part. Two of the highest grossing films of all time. He has some sort of way to connect to audiences all over the world. We, can't, we cannot possibly tell him that actually, James, I think your incredible vision that made us mm. shit loads of money maybe is a bit long and baggy because people said the same yeah. thing about Avatar 1. He, he's got blank check. He's got complete blank check and he's unchallenged. Just for, for, isn't he? Who, who would challenge him? He's like a you know, demigod level of great creativity and that's never really a good thing. I mean... Mm. And it's like, I, I feel like I am, I am really going for it, but... It is also the fact that we did just watch Avatar 1. And, and you know, sorry, this also got me thinking about franchises. Really big IP. Yeah. Successful stories that are able to sustain you over years, if not decades, and come back and why they work, right? Yeah. Like really big budget, big storytelling. And I think about, let's take Harry Potter, for example, okay? I know it's books, but let's talk about just from the film's perspective. Yeah. Every single book is showing you something new. The first one gives you the universe and that's engaging in its own right because yeah. it's a new universe and it's very easy to get someone, hey, here's my world, here's yeah. how the laws work. But every book, new magic is revealed, new characters are revealed, things that actually change the information you have before which make you want to keep watching. Yeah. Star Wars, new rules of the force are revealed. Right. The character is completely changed. Like all of these franchises are sort of giving you something new. Yeah. Avatar was new. It was a new world. Yeah. It was new technology and that's why it sustained people's attention even if the story wasn't there. I don't think this one can do anything new for you really it's it's it, you, it's more of the same it's a lateral move avatar's so. beautiful and it was beautiful in 2009 right it's a little bit more technology but like i can't just i can't just tune in yeah. for do, that do you think that it's one of those things that the longer the gap we live in an era where belated sequels are a genre unto themselves right? yeah we can't, i mean really in our early episodes i think we we kind of did a quick run through of belated sequels right mm. but like is it that the longer the gap between films the more you have to justify to an audience about why you exist right yeah so like Top Gun Maverick came out 37 years later, right? Yeah. And, that, and that made, I think, made a very, very concerted effort to reestablish itself about different. why it existed. Yeah. And it sounds like it's almost tried to pick up where it left off with Avatar. Is, there, is it doing anything new and innovative that can say, hey, this is why we've been away for so long and this is how much we've changed? You could say, oh, the way in which they're filming underwater is completely revolutionized underwater filming. Cool, but like it doesn't... It's still just the same to me. Of like, wow. did you have does, it, does it make you think better of Avatar One? It's better. Avatar One is better film, like hundred percent. Gun to my head. We'll rewatch one right now. Avatar One, hundred percent. Wow. I'd rewatch that. It's what it is worse. And that, there's that, you know on you know the, the sort of minute and a half of B roll before every single scene. I made one note in my phone when I came out, and that was uh, that was Gogglebox Pandora Edition huh. because. Even, you know how I said it gives you nothing to do? I can see that this looks beautiful. Let me go, yes. wow, isn't that amazing? The char I am watching the characters on screen all going, wow, this is amazing. Like They are telling me it's amazing yeah, yeah, when yeah. I know it's amazing. Yeah, so I'm just watching other people in the film tell me it's amazing. It's like watching Gogglebox. Yeah. I know it's beautiful. Let me see yes. that it's beautiful and stop going, yeah, outstanding, incredible. This is, the, I feel uh, so... The irony that for a film that wants to show you so much, it's actually <laughs> telling you so much. That You know, the, the, the cinematic trap, show, don't tell, and it's fallen into the latter. And there's, a very, there's a very sad scene in the middle. And again, I could predict how it was going to end, nice. what the consequences are. It's not like, it doesn't, it, that should have hit really hard. I just felt nothing by that. I was, I was an hour and 45 minutes in by that point. I was a movie's worth in. Yeah. And I go, fuck, I've got another. Another I've movie. Got, I've got another movie to watch. Jesus Christ. Okay. 
if, if you're listening to this and you've now found time to go and see Avatar, what, the what, way of water, the way I hate that. It's way of the. I agree. The, the way of water. No, the way, way of, of water. It's the title. No, it's way of the water. No, it's the way of water. No, it's way. Of, isn't it? It's way the of, way of water. No, it's not. I don't think. I think it's changed. <laughs> I think it's the way of water. The way of water. It is the way of the water. way of water. It's not way of the water. We just we just spoke about. I'm sorry this. again. I'm 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 an idiot. With if you've seen it. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Do you disagree with James? Do you think James has completely missed the point? He's been very cynical. Um, but Or do you disagree? Do you have opinions about the, the technology? Did, did the high frame rate change bother if you? If you saw it. If you that. saw it in high frame rate. And I just think it's a shame that Avatar cannot work for me. Yeah. As someone who loves film. Loves film. Yeah. I think that's a huge failure. I think, yeah, we're not... We, I, know, I know we... Had some reservations about Avatar One, but but like yeah. we, but as I did say last There's week, something I did I did respect the, like the clarity of its vision and stuff, and I would I I want we both want to like this film. We always want to like yeah, a film when course. we go see it. The- I think like you know you and I, and I think lots of people listen to the show will have watched lots of films. We have definitely seen. I'm not saying I've seen every film, but we've seen lots of structures in films, and you mm. you recognise a lot of things that are very familiar. And I think what everyone is always looking for is something that's really challenging, something that tests them and goes, "Ha! Huh, like I never really thought. Like I know that plot, but the way in which you did that is something that really made me think. And yeah. I just think it's a shame that you had 13 years and you just played it so safe, and therefore it just is so dull. And I hate to rail on a film and just be negative, but I, it's failed to get some like I think a normal film goer to be interested in this film. You should just call it the way of what. Yeah. Way of what? Not the way of water. Anyway, uh, I, I think, haven't even seen it. I think uh, Mark Kerber called it uh, Ava, Ava Nap, the way of torture. Other film podcasts are available. Um, let us know your thoughts, guys. If you have seen it, uh, hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. George? Let's go through some of the emails that we got this week. As always, if you have your thoughts, questions, concerns, and you want to write into the show, you can do by emailing hello at podcastpodcast.com. Just like Joshua did. Joshua says, hey, gents, Josh again. Bit of an insignificant question. But you guys have spoken a lot about the superhero series and how Marvel are overloading us with content. Yes. And I was just wondering if you guys have ever watched the original version and start of superhero shows from the CW television broadcasting company, being the Arrow and the Flash, nice. and what your opinion of them were. These shows came out when I was a teenager, and to me, brackets, a superhero fan, felt very special, and the shows were a big part of my life. Yet the new Marvel shows just don't hit the same with me. We'll always love the podcast and be a big fan. Josh, we'll always, I love it, we'll always. Get <laughs> oh, the tattoo. I know, yeah, thank you, yeah. Thank you. Um, Pop kitchen till I die. Yeah. Um, I have never Arrow, seen... Arrow, Flash. I, I know, yeah, Arrow, Flash, uh, Batgirl, Super, Supergirl... Super was it Superwoman? I've seen shots of Superwoman, Supergirl. I think it's Supergirl. Supergirl with uh, Melissa Benoit, who is in Whiplash. Benoit. Benoit. Let me have a look. Um, I have heard really good things about the Arrow and the Flash, and I've seen people be really passionate about those series. I just don't know. I couldn't really. I don't know about you, but it just never really. It reeled me in. in the Here's same the thing. Way. Sorry, it's Supergirl. You're absolutely right. How do you say Melissa? Benoist. Benoist. But it might be Benoit. It might be Benoit. Benoit. It's probably French originally. Like Benoit Blanc. Um, I agree. Like I saw them all coming out and it came out for me. I mean, I was a late teenager when they were coming out. Yeah. But I think I was just already kind of oversaturated. And here's the thing. A bit cynically, I was like, I, if I'm going to see a superhero project, I really don't want to see it done on a small, smaller, limited TV budget. I want yeah. to see it done 
on big scale budgets. So when I would see some of the animation, sorry, the CGI used in like Supergirl and the Flash and Arrow, I'd be like, yeah, but I think I, like, it's a little Doctor Who. Yeah, um, that's it, Doctor Who. So and I, I, I try not to be too disrespectful in saying that, but I, I'm aware so how I'm aware how popular they are. Absolutely, and I love the fact that, that those series have actually been able to build their own following and their own. TV specials where they've had interconnected episodes and a Crisis on Infinite Earths. I think that was that one because they've got the DC League of Extraordinary yeah. People. Again, I haven't seen it, so I'm, I'm probably offending a lot of people, but getting that wrong. But I, 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 I've, I'm aware that it has really grown. It has its own following, and I, I like and respect that. I have a category of things that I haven't seen in that sort of cozy, sort of maybe, my opinion, the quality of them is not quite high enough where I've let them pass me by. Yeah. And I go, maybe when I'm sick... Maybe when I'm like stuck at home or a Christmas or a plane. Mm. And for some reason, I just never really did that. If you didn't watch it, if you didn't watch it in COVID, I don't think you're ever going to watch it. That's my argument to people. When people say, oh, I just wanted to get sick. I'm like, we had a a, a lockdown. You had a year off. You had lots of time in the lockdown. And if you didn't watch it, even if you're working, even if you didn't get time to watch it then, I don't think you're really going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good question though. I'm, I think we've got some uh, DMs as well into oh, our yeah. Instagram account. At Pop Kitchen Podcast, if you want to DM. Apologies, some of these are a little bit belated because um, we just haven't read them out in a while. Um, so first of all, a couple of weeks ago, we did a good few film reviews. We did She Said, we did yes. Bones and All, but we also did After Sun. And Which I'm about to watch. Oh, great. Very okay. keen to see it. So th- this, for people who don't remember, was the Paul Mescal film that came out about the, the Spanish holiday. Not Spanish, sorry. Uh, Turkey. Turkey. Turkey holiday, a Turkish holiday, which I missed the first two minutes of because of a, well, uh, an ongoing debate about whether the cinema messed up or I messed up. Anyway, um, Jaina writes in and says, Ari, the After Sun Review. Do you say re or Ari when it's for re. email? I say, do you? I yeah. say, uh, I say is it an act, is re. Is, is it short for regarding? Regarding. Whatever. Anyway, I've watched dozens of great movies this year, says Jaina, and this is the one in Asterix. Movie I kept think I keep thinking about. I cried at the end, as did others in the theater. Yep, I can see that. It was moving. And I don't usually go in for sad movies. But the saddest herein was worth it. It came it, it became a personal moment. Since I watched it, I've talked to my siblings, I've talked to my mom about remembering and misremembering my late dad, for better or worse. I haven't thought about my relationship to my dad when I was a kid in decades. And here I was trying to figure him out, just like Sophie in the movie. It's a genius construct by Charlotte Wells, putting us in Sophie's position as an adult. There are no wasted moments to get us to that place. Watch the slow parts. They are, there are hints about what's happening in those. Um, and then she says, all that said, my dudes, get to the movie at the start time, <laughs> et cetera. Um, but I just like, Jaina, that's a really, really nice um, message. And uh, I think that's exactly what the film is doing and exactly what its tension is. And I think you've got the... the, the perfect response to it and the fact that you can bring something personal to it is great um i agree that when it got to the end a bit like how i had with armageddon time it's like oh i'm starting to realize that this film has actually done something really different and really yeah. bold um and i'll be interested to hear your thoughts when you go see it that's really nice email to write in i think it's very great to hear about that sort of personal experience affecting the way in which you've interpreted a film it's mm-hmm. picked up on a couple of conversations which we had where people ask us has something that's happened to you personally or a way in which you frame yes, your, your life context your context well, yeah. you know g- growing up at different watching something at different ages like so many people have written in about well, like that. that cw email we just said with the yes. guy said about you know, like emotional attachments and stuff and uh it takes someone else who's lived through a completely different life to say yes but the way that thing was done yeah. for my personal experience really worked was really true to what going through something like that might be and i think that's what i makes mean also not to get too conversation like, too uh 
ideological about it or you know uh, deep about it. it's about that's kind of what cinema is meant to be it's that charlotte wells clearly had an idea of what she wanted to communicate and it's an emotional idea yeah it's not a literal idea it's not a logical idea she had an emotional idea that she wanted to do and the only way that she could communicate that was through the language and art of cinema yeah. and in so doing she's been able to communicate something that she might not have been able to do through words but by doing it in that way people are able to uh, connect with it in a way that they wouldn't have been done wouldn't have done with words yeah. so jane people like jane are able to see that and uh derive meaning and experience and uh depth that they wouldn't have got um, you know what i'm excited for That's like, as cinema. i as i age i think like you know for example you and i weren't alive in the 80s right. we don't really have much living memory of the 90s but a film like armageddon time which is set in the 80s can present us with a vision of the 80s mm-hmm. and we can see the 80s for all the things we've been told they were like and all the pictures we've seen mm-hmm. all the movies we've seen all the media we've seen yeah. but us connecting to that decade sorry that decade and even though we enjoy armageddon time very much someone who has lived that yeah. will find a different connection to yeah. that period of time in a completely different way that we will even though an effective director should be able to like mm. Ground you in that, ground you in that, and telegraph what reason why that time of period of time has been chosen to set the film. I'm excited as I age, be like, yeah, like that was what the noughties were like. But also, and also, we've talked about how your emotional response to something changes as you get older and and your relationship with that. And so, oh, one thing that you like now, you might love in ten years' time, or you might. I I love the idea that there is something I've seen that I thought was okay, and then I return to it in five years' time when I do my five year rewatching rule, (laughs) and I go. Oh my god, that Special. really caught me off guard. That's really, that's really emotional. Or you grow, grow away from something. You think, oh, actually, that was great when I was younger, and that's still mm-hmm. valid. But now I'm in a different emotional place. There is this scientific study that obviously, like the older humans get, the much more complex our emotions become. Sure. So when you're a child, it's things are happy, sad, first time, everything, good, bad is very binary or simple, right? Yeah. But the older you get, you have much more complex emotions. But the benefit, one of the positives about that is that your emotional life is much more emotionally rich. And therefore, that's why I, that's why I love it. The older I get, if a film can move me. Yeah. Because I feel like... It's, it showed me something it, new. It's getting harder because I'm... <coughs> it, it's so much more specific. So like... The last film I cried at was The Whale, which yeah. obviously I can't... I don't want to spoil for anyone. But, um, you know, you show it to a child and they wouldn't cry necessarily. Yeah. But I would watch that because of the complexity. Of the, and I'm thinking, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, love it. I love if that film can, can get me in that way. Bit of a tangent. There, I can't wait for you to be in your 60s showing the most sad thing in the world. You're just there staring in the face like, nope, <laughs> seen it before. I've emotionally moved on, <laughs> yeah. thank you. It's not good enough. Wait 40 years and you'll be weeping at Avatar Way of the Water. <laughs> it just reminds me of when cinema was around. Avatar 9 is so beautiful. <laughs> um, thank you for your message, Jaina. And the other one we had into Instagram uh, is from Jack. He says, new to the podcast, have you reviewed Yellowstone? Now, Yellowstone is kind of only come on my radar this year it is a hugely popular show in the states um with kevin costner in that's the one um it's in like series five now it's got like three spin-offs in the work um in the works i have not seen it james has not seen it i i really think it's only starting to permeate in through through to the uk market with paramount plus has an 85 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. yeah it's got it's got very good reviews so we haven't seen it. But if you have, and I mean, that, that's the end of Jack's note, but yeah. if, if you have any thoughts on why we should watch it, then give it a go. Oh, and I actually think, sorry, stand corrected. We have had another email. It might have been from our the set designer who wrote in about Don't Worry Darling. She might have said, have you seen uh, Yellowstone? Yeah. I'm sorry if I've got that person uh, misidentified. But 
it's, it's, I'm aware, it, it, for us in the UK, it's starting to bubble through this year. Sometimes when I edit the podcast, I watch us answering questions, and I'm like, we only answered half the question. <laughs> we'll just get really excited. I'm sorry. Because people ask us like three questions sometimes. We'll like really go for the first one, and then we'll be like, great, cool, next question. I just, compl- I just go, we didn't answer it. For that, sorry. I'm really sorry. We just get excited. But anyway, those are the, those are the we correspondence we had this week. As you know, always let us know your thoughts and opinions to hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. Okay, James, let's finish this episode with a game of Cast List Countdown. Okay. I'm going to read you out the cast list of a film, and you have to tell me what that film is, um, starting with the probably least uh, important actor. Okay. I think this is a bit of a hard one. Okay. All right. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Guess the film based on its cast. In three, two, one. Alia Shawkat. Elliot Gold. Elliot Gould. Steve Coogan. Antonio Banderas. Annette Benning. Not Puss in Boots or something? No. Getting close now. Chris Messina. Zoe Kazan. Last one. Paul Dano. Uh, oh, it's really familiar. What is that? Zoe Kazan and Paul Dano. Again, that is... Paul Dano, Zoe Kazan, Annette Benning, Antonio Banderas, Steve Coogan, Elliot Gould, and Elias Shawkat. No, go on. That is the 2012 movie Ruby Sparks. Oh, I've not Do seen remember? it. You remember? You no. remember the... Okay. You may, this is the thing. I thought it'd be hard because not a lot of people remember that film, but that is a good cast list. Very good That's cast list. That's a good cast list. list. That is a film directed by uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie uh, Farris. Yes, I know the poster. Sexes and stuff. You know, it's a story yes. of a writer who writes his writes a girlfriend into real life. I mean, so niche, he, I like he that. writes his perfect girlfriend and then she turns out to be real. Zoe Kazan is, uh, I think she's really good. She's really, yes, um, she's a good actress, I so. think she's always been good. But in She Said, I was like, you're going to be a big star, Zoe Kazan. Some would say she already is. I, I'd agree. Okay. Did you get that? I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge anyone who's going, Ruby who? Yeah. What, uh, yeah, it was, it was a while back now. Okay. I Googled it, it's legit. <laughs> it's a real movie. It's a real movie. All right, James, I've got another one for you now. I think this is going to be slightly easier for you. Okay. All right. Guess the movie based on its cast list. Okay. In three, two, one. James Badgedale. Alec Baldwin. Vera Farmiga. Ray Winston. The Departed. Yes. Very good. Ray Winston's a giveaway, I think. Yeah. Because like, Ray Winston is not usually in films with Vera Farmiga. Uh, Vera and Farmiga, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. I was like, I don't think they've collaborated before. But or incredible after. cast. You And after that, we were going to have Mark Wahlberg, Jack Nicholson, Matt Damon, and Leo DiCaprio. Mark Wahlberg is so good in that movie. Yeah. I'm the guy who does his job. You yeah. must be the, the other, other guy. guy. I'm your best fucking friend in yeah. this place. <laughs> He did, you like, there's only one role for Mark Wahlberg to do. The breathless. And that's it. Yes, the breathless that's annoyed it. man. Deathless, uh, sorry, a breathless jaded cop. <laughs> that give, film's quite old. It's older than you think. 2006. 2006 yeah. Which, like, you, know, you know I knew the year. You could you probably buy that on VHS. All right. Do you know um, what I mean? Okay, James, last one. Okay. I think you should get this. All right. Guess the movie based on its cast list in three, two, one. Carl Reiner. Casey Affleck. Scott Kahn, Bernie Mac, Don Cheadle, Andy Garcia, Matt Damon, 
getting close now. Julia Roberts. Uh, uh, Ocean's 11, 12? Yes, yeah. Brad Pitt and George Clooney. You gotta yeah. know the other one. You gotta know the whole 11. You can't K- just Casey know. Affleck, I was like, what? Casey Affleck Because he's he turned is, up in loads of Casey things. Casey Affleck a small is, role. they're the two brothers, him and Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn's the one who drives the, like the, yeah, the he's yeah, the driver. Yeah. And Casey Affleck's the one who has like the, 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 the remote control one. He's like the technical yeah. brother, okay? I, uh, I did mention Kin Shaobo as well, who plays the, um, uh, the gymnast. I told you about how I passively rewatched two and a half oceans films on a plane. Yes. <laughs> like over. Yes. Like not actually watching, but I really felt like I saw. Yeah. I rewatched oceans without rewatching oceans, but I should have made that harder for you. Anyway, some you know different levels there for you of Cast's countdown. I hope you've enjoyed it. Now, if you've been watching this episode and listening to this episode, and you've reached this point you're probably listening to it in the days before Christmas 2022. Merry Christmas. So that's what we just want to say. A Merry Christmas to everyone listening and a Happy New Year. I hope you have a wonderful time off. I hope you have time to watch some films and wishing you the best. Yeah, have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy it. If you're watching films, write us and tell you what films you watched at Christmas. I'd yeah. love people to go, I watched this at Christmas, this at Christmas, Christmas this is, one was good. Christmas is the time when you watch the most random stuff. You'll watch the watching Christmas something. films and you'll be like, I also watched this one because my nan said she liked it. And you know what? From 1946, it's a good movie. Even if you just watched The Holiday in Love, actually. I don't care. I want to hear about Absolutely it. Absolutely fine. Yeah, we don't care. Just let us know. Um, yeah, and have a good one. If you don't celebrate Christmas, it doesn't matter. Have a good break. Have a good time off. Enjoy the time off. Um, but we will be back next week with a very special episode, our final episode Should of the year. Should we say what it is? I think we tease I it. Think we Let's do it. it. Guys, it's our end of year roundup. It's the Pulp Kitchen Awards. The first ever. The inaugural annual. Pulp Kitchen Awards. We will be gifting awards for some of our favorite films, yes. scenes, directors, moments of the year. If you've ever wondered what George and James thought are the best, <laughs> it's the list. I think all the news articles are going to pick up on it. Uh, you know, what will we wear? I think, I think people are like, you know, the Oscars are great, but I think like Brendan Fraser's holding out to be like, yeah, but did I win a Pop Kitchen yes. Award? Yes, I want to see a new updated trailer for The Whale with <laughs> Academy Award in nominee. The crest, in the crest. In the crest. Palm door winner. In our like tacky Pulp font. <laughs> Pop Kitchen Awards. Our, our font is not tacky, No, but compared to like the can read. Well, <laughs> I, I just want to see like the stamp yes. of Pop Kitchen Award winner. Anyway, catch us then. In the meantime, have a good Christmas. Merry Christmas. Why is that flashing? Put your fucking lights off, man. <laughs> They're Christmas lights. You are so amateur. Yeah. Oh my god.
There's a Christmas. Please don't hit me, Mr. Bale. Please don't hit me. I will never work with you ever again. You're fucking dumb, man. You're, You're fucking, fucking dumb. dumb. It's just so amateur. Accent just all over the place.